Welcome to Spiritual Mythbusters. I'm your host, Paul Graves, and this is the place where we always share what we value as truth and promise to always share it in love. This podcast is an outreach of Bible to Life Ministry located in Northeast Florida. So if you enjoy what you hear, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E dot net and click on resources to view our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. Now put on your spiritual thinking caps and let's dive into another episode. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. As always, I am your host, Paul Graves of Spiritual Mythbusters, and today we have an amazing episode. Listen, this is our sixth episode, and I tell you, each and every week, I'm surprised at how quickly these episodes come and go, but I tell you, there's so much that I have to share, and to be honest with you, I am excited that I have an opportunity to share it, but even more excited that I have listeners that are excited about what I have to share. So I've been speaking to some of you, and you've been telling me how you've been encouraged and inspired by the messages, and that's the purpose. You know, we talked about last week, love, and if we're not doing it for any other reason but for love, then we're doing it for not. So with that being said, today we are going to talk about what is the power of the kingdom. I know we started that last week, but God took us in a different direction. But we are going to speak on what is the power of the kingdom of God in this episode. But what I want to do is recap, if you don't mind. We've been doing series. So we started with what is the kingdom of God. Then we talked about what is the purpose of the kingdom. Last week, we were supposed to talk about what is the power of the kingdom, but we actually talked about God's banner over me is love. So with that being said, let's recap just so we can all get caught back up to where we are. On the third episode, it was titled, What is the Kingdom of God? And we said that the kingdom of God was not a physical place. Okay, The kingdom of God was an administration, a governance. In other words, the kingdom is the reign of the rule, and the authority of Christ the King. So we used Matthew 6.10. It says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now we know that this is the disciples inquiring of Jesus how to pray, and Jesus says to them, You pray this way, Our Father who art in heaven, hallow or holy be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, or on earth as it is already done in heaven. So if the kingdom must come, then it cannot be a place that we as believers will one day when we pass away go to. So with that being said, if you want more detail on what is the kingdom of God, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode three. It is well worth the listen. Then episode four, we talked about what is the purpose of of the kingdom of God. And we said that the purpose of God's kingdom was to do the will of our heavenly Father on earth as his will is done or as his will is already accomplished in heaven. And once again we used a proof text of Matthew 6:10 that says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the kingdom must come from heaven to earth in order for God's will to be done or accomplished on earth as it is done or accomplished in heaven. All right? So the purpose of the kingdom 
coming to earth is to cause our earth to look like heaven. And listen, I know that the that the Word of God says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but the Word of God also says that the heavens belong to God, but the earth He has given to the sons of men. So both you and I as believers co-labor with God in an earth that He created but hath given to us to inhabit and fill with His glory. So the purpose of the kingdom coming to earth is to cause our earth to look like heaven. So one of the questions that we had to answer in detail in episode four was, who has the responsibility of causing the earth to look like heaven? Is the responsibility God's or is it Jesus' responsibility? Or is the responsibility individual believers or the church? So who has the responsibility of causing earth to look like heaven? The church, the body of Christ. It's the responsibility of new covenant believers to cause the earth to look like heaven. And we went over a ton of scriptures in episode four, and we talked about the church's responsibility, the church's functional responsibility. And we talked about how it's not necessarily the functional responsibility of the church to simply be born again, but that being born again is a huge process in restoration because it was the message of reconciliation that was given to the original apostles, the message of reconciliation that was given to Apostle Paul. And Paul said that we were given the message of reconciliation and that we beg men In other words, we beg humanity to be reconciled. But with that being said, the church also has a functional responsibility in order to cause the earth to look like heaven. Matthew 16, 18 through 19 says this, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, what was the rock? The rock was the revelation that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, or He was the Anointed One, or He was the Anointed King. So this is when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. you know. Some say you're a, a good prophet. And He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, you are the Son of God. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Anointed One, or you are the Anointed King. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. God And Jesus said that flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter, but my Father who was in heaven. So this is what Matthew 16, 18 through 19 says. It says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys or the authority of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, as we learned those are synonymous, and whatever you bind on earth, shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. It is the church's responsibility to reign and rule over the earth with Christ as the head of his body, as the head of new covenant believers. And so if you want to learn more about what is the purpose of the kingdom of God, then I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode four. It is jam-packed with revelation and truth and understanding, uh, new covenant, present-day truth that's going to challenge and encourage and inspire you in, in a number of different ways. So I would encourage you to go back and do that. And then in episode five, we were going to talk about what is the power of the kingdom, but I tell you, it was amazing what God did. And, and this was more of a, a prophetic 
inspirational episode than anything else. It was an episode that was directed, in my opinion, by the Holy Spirit, speaking into the lives of individuals, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. God just wanting to share one message and one message only that He is love. So the title of episode five was God's Banner Over Me is Love. Now, in other words, God's banner or His covering over you, over me, over all of humanity is love. Kind of like a huge neon sign draped over the entire world that's lit up with as many different colors as it possibly can be, says, God is love. And then I made the statement, love is the root of all things. Everything we do must begin with love, for it is love in operation that will tear down all walls, and it is love that will heal all hurts, and love that reconciles humanity back to God. And then I make the statement that I always do that you're probably growing fond of. And that statement is that we find a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it. A people touched by God, touching people with God. This was a very intimate episode. And I want to encourage all of my listeners to go back and listen to God's banner over me is love. To be honest with you, I've probably listened to it 10 or 12 times since recording it and putting it out. It just ministered to me over and over and over again. So if you want to know about the love of God, if you want to know how God's love works in your life, if you want to know the purpose of God's love and how it's demonstrated in the earth through believers and how it makes a difference in the lives of non-believers, and if you want to know how to administer the love of God to non-believers, then this is certainly going to be the episode that you are going to want to listen to. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Hopefully that gives you a quick rundown of what we have been discussing over episode three, episode four, and episode five. So today we're going to talk about what is the power of the kingdom of God. So in episode one, we talked about what is the kingdom of God. And we said the kingdom of God was the reign, the rule, and the authority of Christ the King. Then we talked about what is the purpose of the kingdom. And we said that the purpose was to do the will of our Heavenly Father. And so today we're going to talk about what is the power of the kingdom of God. So keep in mind the kingdom of God is God's reign. That's R-E-I-G-N. God's reign, God's rule, and his authority. All right, so it's the reign, rule, and the authority of Christ, our King. And the kingdom is not a place, though it is the lordship and supreme authority of Christ, our King, ruling and reigning within the hearts of every believer. So Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within In other words, not a place that we can go to, but it is within. It is an administration. It is a governance. It is the reign, the rule, and the authority of Christ our King governing the hearts of humanity, governing the hearts of believers. The power of the kingdom is what? Well, you probably already know the answer to this. The power of the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit. 
In other words, the Holy Spirit is the engine that empowers God's kingdom. Now listen, I know that God is three in one. I know that it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know that. It's one God, but there's three attributes or three characteristics, or I would even say three functional responsibilities within one God. And so when I say that the Holy Spirit is the engine that empowers God's kingdom, what I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit is the functional responsibility or the characteristic of God that empowers his kingdom. So Romans 14, 17 says this, says, For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. In other words, the kingdom of God has nothing to do with in the natural, but it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me stop right here and, and just share this with you. When you are born again, when you were a non-believer and you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you believe that He is the Son of God, and you believe that He died on the cross, you believe that He resurrected. So with that being said, by grace through faith you have been born again. The moment you were born again, you received not only the King, but you received His kingdom, and you received the Holy Spirit. So you cannot separate the King from the kingdom and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit upholds and guarantees in our hearts Christ's reign, Christ's rule, and Christ's authority. As Christ presently reigns and rules with all authority in heaven. So the governance of God, or the rule of God, is within the hearts of mankind. You see, this is what Israel missed. Israel was looking for a natural king that would sit upon a natural throne. Israel was looking for a king that would rule in a natural surroundings. A king that would sit upon a throne that would govern Israel, would take Israel to war against Rome, and would defeat Rome, making the Jews or making Israel the dominant power. But Jesus did not come to reign and rule as a king sitting on a natural throne. He came to rule and reign within the hearts of his sons and daughters. He came to rule and reign within his people, within his body, within his church. So therefore, the Holy Spirit upholds and guarantees Christ's reign and rule within the hearts of those who believe. The Holy Spirit empowers believers. For three reasons. Holy Spirit empowers believers to enter the kingdom of God. So we are empowered as individuals to enter the kingdom of God. We are empowered to live victorious in God's kingdom. And we are empowered to advance God's kingdom on earth. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to ensure we enter the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is to ensure we live victorious within God's kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is to ensure that as believers we advance the kingdom of God. So as we enter the kingdom of God, empowering by the Spirit of Christ believers to submit to the governance of Christ, our risen King. How? By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers you and me, believers, so that we can submit to the reign, the rule, and the authority of Christ the King. In other words, empowering us. Holy Spirit empowers us so that we can come under the Lordship. 
supreme authority of Christ, our King. My life is no longer my own. No longer I who live, Scripture says, but what? Christ now lives in me. I have been bought. If you're a believer, you have been bought. Well, the truth is that we have all been bought with a price. All of humanity has been bought with a price. All of humanity's sins have been forgiven. All of humanity has been forgiven. The Word of God says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not counting our sins against us. So all humanity has been forgiven, but it doesn't mean that all of humanity will receive the forgiveness. We've all been bought with a price. But if you are a believer, you have been bought with a price, and therefore you can no longer belong to yourself. Or I have been bought with a price, and I no longer belong to myself. So if you are born again, that means that you have said to yourself, you have said to the world, we're crucified with Christ. Therefore, you were buried in his baptism and you were resurrected in his resurrection. And what you are saying is no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. I am not the old individual I used to be, but I am now a new creation through Christ Jesus. And as a new creation, you are saying that I submit to the lordship and the supreme authority of Christ, who is my risen king. And I will live according to him, and I will reign, and I will rule with him in all authority. And I will allow my life to be governed by the kingship of Jesus Christ. I will renew my mind. I will bring my body into subjection so that when I minister, I will not disqualify myself, but I will turn. I will have a change of mind in what I used to know in order to live according to what the Spirit of God now tells me on the inside. So this is why we're renewing our mind. We're renewing our mind. We're not being conformed to the world, but we're being transformed into the image of Christ so that what we see or experience on the outside will align with what has taken place on the inside. For you are now the righteousness of God in the Spirit. You are now the holy sanctuary of God. You are now the holy habitation of God. You are now the dwelling place of God. You are now the new Jerusalem. You are now the temple of God. So Holy Spirit empowers believers to submit to the governance of Christ the King, empowers us to live holy, empowers us to live righteous, empowers us to become a bondservant to the Father, serving not our own will, but the will of the Father, of the one who sent Christ and the one who empowers us by the Holy Spirit to live in his kingdom or enter his kingdom. The second reason that Jesus empowers believers is to live victorious in God's kingdom. In other words, we are empowered so that we can do the works of Jesus. Now, I always make the statement that Jesus is the example of us, or Jesus is the example of New Covenant believers. He is not the example for us. So I would say that Jesus Christ is the first fruit or the firstborn of many sons and daughters. So Jesus is our model for daily living in a new and better covenant with better promises. So we live victorious in the kingdom when we are fulfilling the plans and the purposes, or we are doing the works of Jesus 
living life as Jesus lived his life during his earthly ministry. Does that make sense? Okay, so I make the statement, finding a need and meeting it, finding a hurt and healing it, a people touched by God, touching people with God. This statement, in my opinion, is so prevalent. It's so paramount. What it is saying is that I consider you over myself. What it's saying is, is that I want to go about my daily life doing good. I want to go about my daily life healing all who are oppressed, setting all who are in prison free spiritually, setting the captives free. I want to go about my daily life finding a need in the life of people where injustice has come in, and I want to confront that with the power of the Holy Spirit through the authority Christ has given me through redemption to bring a resolve that's favorable in the life of that individual. So when I live victorious in God's kingdom, that means that I am doing the works of Jesus. In other words, I am seeing with the eyes of God. I am hearing with the ears of God. I am touching with the hands of God. Hence, finding a hurt and healing it, finding a need and meeting it. A people that have been touched by God are now going out daily and touching people with God. So that is the second reason that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Well, the third reason that believers are empowered by the Holy Spirit is to advance the kingdom of God. And it's as simple as this. We are to cause the knowledge of God's glory. In other words, glory being His experiential goodness. So we are to cause the knowledge of God's glory or His experiential goodness to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So then I ask the question, how does the waters cover the sea? Completely. The waters completely cover the sea. So we're not saying that the knowledge of God's glory is not revealed or manifested in the earth. We're not saying that the, the glory of God doesn't already cover the earth, all right? Because we know that David said, where can I go to escape your presence? If I make my bed in Shiloh, if I make my bed in, in hell, you are there. If I go to the, the outer parts of the earth, you are there. So there's nowhere that we can go and there's no place that we can go in which God is not already there, in which the presence and the glory and the power and the love and the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God are not already there. But what we're saying is, is that God wants us to experientially make His glory known. In other words, He wants us to go out and demonstrate the goodness and the kindness of God, which draws all men to redemption. So there are three reasons in which we are empowered as New Covenant believers by the Holy Spirit. One is to enter the kingdom of God. Two is to live victorious in God's kingdom. And three is to advance God's kingdom on earth. So how does this work? Well, Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. All right, so we're all familiar with this. We're, I say we're all familiar. I'm, I'm not quite sure with who's listening to this podcast. So Jesus told his disciples, he told them to go and tarry, go and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All right, this was after his death. This was after his resurrection. This was after his ascension. 
Now, some of you will argue that he didn't ascend until after this point, but we can talk about that at another time. But at this point, when he told his disciples to go and wait for the Holy Spirit, he had already ascended to the Father. So before Pentecost, all right, before the day of Pentecost, before the day that the Spirit of God was poured out on all flesh, the kingdom was already present on the earth. But believers in Jesus Christ had not yet entered the kingdom. All right, so the kingdom was already present. I teach a message that talks about how the kingdom came with the king, and we go back and we look at the book of Daniel, and we show how the kingdom and the birth of Jesus came at the exact same time. So with the king came the kingdom. So when I make this statement, before Pentecost, the kingdom was already present on the earth, but believers in Jesus Christ had not yet entered the kingdom. You cannot enter the kingdom until you receive the King and the Holy Spirit. So until you are born again, you do not receive the King, you do not receive the Holy Spirit, and therefore you cannot receive the kingdom. So prior to Pentecost, the Spirit of Christ had not been poured out into the earth. So therefore, until the Spirit was poured out, individuals could not be born again in the sense of receiving the kingdom, the King, and the Holy Spirit. So it was only after Jesus had ascended to his Father after he was seated on David's throne, after he was inaugurated back into office as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, because remember he left deity aside to come to earth as a bondservant. So through his resurrection and his ascension, he was inaugurated back into rightful office as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He was now humanity's atoning sacrifice. He had become our high priest As a result of his ascension, the Spirit of God was poured out on the day of Pentecost. So in other words, the kingdom came with the king, and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the church was birthed into the earth. So therefore, as a result of the new covenant, or I should say as a result of Christ's atonement, Christ cut a new covenant with his blood. And that new covenant was so that all believers could enter in to fellowship with him. And by entering in, we could dwell with him. We could rule with him. We could reign with him with all authority and all of power in God's kingdom. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And so the Word of God says that those who join themselves to the Lord become one spirit with him. We don't receive a portion of God. We receive all of God. So the deity and the fullness that dwell within Christ bodily by the power of the Holy Spirit now dwells within every believer, which incorporates the kingdom of God, allowing us as the church of Jesus Christ to move forward in the authority or the inherited kingdom authority that we received through redemption, directing the power of the Holy Spirit within the kingdom of God, which is the reign, the rule, and the authority of Christ the King, so that we, as we move forward with compassion, birthed out of love, with a genuine desire to set the captives free, will in turn cause earth to look like heaven as we are governed by the kingdom. As a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the church was empowered to live in God's kingdom under the administration, under the governance of Christ the King. 
New Covenant believers were empowered with righteousness, joy, and peace as a result of the infilling presence of the fullness of God, as a result of the infilling presence of the Holy Spirit. So what is the power of the kingdom? The power of the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not only precedes, but produces the church of Jesus Christ. As your host, Paul Graves, I want to thank you for listening to Spiritual Mythbusters. If you like what you've heard, then once again, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E dot net and click on Resources to access our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. So until next week, always remember, if you want to see the glory of God, then you must release God's glory.